0: Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live at our 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m. services, or connect with us on Facebook. You have your Bibles in Romans chapter 15. Speaking of compatibility, today we are beginning a new series, and uh, i got to be honest with you. I love preaching the Word. But these, these uh, in preparation for this series, has been one that has not been my most enjoyable. The reason is we're going to talk about stuff that we might have to get a handle on in life. Some stuff that we might have to approach and, and work on and deal with. And uh, today we're going to start this series looking at relationships. But relationships are not so much uh, about uh, how we, uh, or the relationships aren't so much about who we're with as much as they are how we're responding to the people that we're with. Relationships are so important, and it matters to be with the right people. That is is a most important thing, is being in alignment with the right people. Paul said it this way, that we're not to be unequally yoked, that we're to be in good relationship. What does light have to do with darkness? Prophets of Baal with the priests of God, what do they have in common? And so it's important that we are in the right relationships and having the right people in our lives, but I want you to know more important than just having the right people, it's making sure that we are the right people. The reason that's significant is because you cannot do anything about the people you're with once you've made a decision, once you're in the relationship, you cannot change the people you're with, but you can develop the person that you are. It's not about finding the right people before it is being the right person, whether it be in work relationships or or, or in obviously marriage, but even in close relationships, whatever those relationships might be is identifying and looking at our lives to make sure that we are getting a handle on some things we might have to get a handle on some of the things we're going to be talking about over the next couple of weeks is talking about people who have a tendency to avoid Conflict or necessary conversations to be in a in a place of being prone to be people pleasers. Those who try to, to to please, and we talk as well about those who might be perfectionists and and just in relationships where hard to hard to be pleased sometimes, and having those standards that make it difficult. Talking as well about folks that have been conditioned to be in a relationship that really is heavy having heavy control, and uh, those we, we we call them control freaks, but that doesn't sound nice. But hey, if we're going to pick on everybody, let's just be across the board and just make it for for everyone. We'll talk about those who who are controlling. Talk as well about those who have been conditioned in life and have an attitude of being victims. Here's the thing. We all are affected by one of those things, and we we have learned how to love in a way that has been unhealthy. Not because we're horrible people, but because we were born into a broken world. We live in a world that is broken. We are broken. And so we are all individuals that, that are learning how to have good relationships, learning how to get a handle on the things that we might need to get a handle over. Every, every relationship that we engage in is, is accessed through a door. And the question that we want to ask is not who's waiting for us on the other side of the door, but is who is the person that's about ready to walk through that door? That as we open the doors to access relationships, as we open the door to walk in further in our in our marriages, in our workplace, relationship with our children, relationship with one another, as we walk through the door. Do we have a handle on the door because it matters who we are when we walk through the door and how we engage in those relationships? Relationships are key because if we're going to radiate the love of Christ and who Jesus is through our world, it will matter how we relate with one another. Just some key points that Jesus says, the word says, the Bible tells us this, they will know you are followers of Jesus Christ by the way you love one another. That's Bible. Bible. The Bible says, how can you say you love God who you cannot see if you don't love your brother who you can see? That's Bible. Our relationships matter. How we relate with one another and and the relationships that we're in is what we're going to be taking a look at over the next couple weeks. We're glad you're here. I'm glad you're here to go through this because this has not been the most fun preparation and planning for this. In fact, I said to some of the uh, team, I said, you know what, we can cancel this and just move on to something else. We just talk about all the, uh, the, the, the stuff that makes us all feel good, and woohoo, and we can just dance and shout. And how many know we're always going to dance and shout, but sometimes there's also times where we have to put a shovel in our hand as well as a sword. There's a time we've got to carry the work, and we've got we've to dig and allow work to be done in our lives. And so will you, over the next couple weeks, join us and ask the Holy Spirit to do the work that he needs to do inside of us? Each week, we're going to be talking about some relationships and, and just and how we relate with one another We might not talk about you every week. You might have weeks where you're like, you're off the hook. But there might be a week that it shows up on your front door. Now, I don't mean literally. We're not going to literally show up on your front door, but I have a feeling, because as I've been preparing for this and praying and looking at some tendencies and how we respond to relationships, there were moments where I said, oh, God, I don't like this right now because it's right on my front door. I've got to deal with this. I'd rather talk about what someone else needs to deal with. And you would, too. I don't know what it might be for us, but looking in our lives so that we can develop the relationships, growing in a place, because I believe that as we're stronger in our relationships, we will show a world even more who Jesus Christ is and the love that he has for us. In Romans chapter 15, we're going to be taking a look, and I want to just begin with this scripture in Romans 15 in just two verses. it become a theme verse for us for these next couple of weeks as we talk about getting a handle on it. Whatever that is for you, you might line up in a, a couple of these. I know for me, uh, there's, there's uh, two things in particular that I, have to, that I have to be aware of and address. Maybe not all of these are, you know, for you, controlling or people-pleasing or, or, or uh, whatever those things might be. You might not fall into all categories, and that's okay. But there's something I'm sure that we can learn and encourage one another. Let's stand together as we look at Romans chapter 15, starting verse 5. Just two verses here. Just reading these two verses, and here's what it says. Actually, let me back up and just read the end of chapter 4 here, or verse 4. It says in scriptures, give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. We've been talking a lot about promises over the Radiate series, and knowing that God is calling us to walk into the promises, pick up what He has for us, and there is a process of waiting for that to be fulfilled. Here's what I want to say to you: that there are promises that God has for your relationship that are still yet to be fulfilled. I believe your marriage is not where God has 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 called it to end up, but God's got more in store for your marriage. God's got more in store for your relationship with the. Around you, he's got more in store in in your involvement with other uh, brothers and sisters in Christ and and, in just experiencing what God has. That as we wait for that, here's what he says wait patiently, as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. Verse 5 May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony. Notice he didn't just say harmony alone. It is complete harmony. That you would have a like-mindedness. That you would become more and more like Jesus. The goal is not to become like one another. The goal is to become like Jesus. You may have matched up with someone that you're compatible with. You did the test. You did those things. You met online. You found yourselves to be compatible and that's all cool. That's all fine. You've lined up in certain areas. But until we line up more and more like Jesus, we will not be as compatible as we could be in Christ. We will not be as compatible in our relationships, or in like-mindedness, or in complete harmony, it is not becoming like the other. It is becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. It's okay to search for compatibility to see who you are and someone else and how you might how you might line up together. But the question is, isn't how good are you t- matched up together? It's this: how focused are are you on becoming more like Jesus? Because becoming more like Jesus is what will cause your marriage, your relationships, those things around you, to become more complete in harmony. And to have more of a compatibility and more of a likeness If you believe that Jesus is the one that makes it all work well Just give him praise if you believe that today And if you agree with that this morning That he's the one that makes that work well What we do too often in relationships Is we look from one side to the other We look across the aisle I want you to know the answer is not all Democrat And the answer is not all Republican The answer is Jesus Christ Across the aisle the answer is not all like her, all like him The answer is not my way over your way. The answer is this, look unto Jesus Christ and become more like him. He says, may God who gives patience and encouragement help you live in complete harmony with each other, and I like this, as is fitting for the followers of Jesus Christ. This is what it ought to be. This is what we should do. This isn't just a good idea. This is fitting for those who are followers of Jesus Christ. You say you're a follower of Jesus Christ, don't say you love Jesus and neglect the relationships that are around you. You can't do that. It doesn't work that way. It is fitting for those who are in Christ. And then here's verse 6. Then... All of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I ask today, God, that our relationships would bring you greater glory. God, in our homes, in this church, in our workplace, in our schools, in our communities, God, let our relationships, let our relationships, Father, bring you glory. But Lord, I know today there might be someone here who doesn't know you, and God, maybe even in their lives, I pray that their their relationships would be made stronger We know, God, that you're the one that makes it even better. But, Lord, I pray today that we would apply the truth of your word so that we might allow complete harmony to flow in our lives and that you might receive glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. And if that's your prayer today, would you just say amen Amen. and amen. Find someone nearby, you just shake their hand real tight and tell them, "Get get a handle on it. Get a handle on it. Get a handle on it. I don't know if we're talking to you today. I don't believe that I need to take up too much time to convince us today that our relationships are important in our, in our walk with Jesus Christ. I believe I would take up too much time to try and convince you that how you treat your spouse is necessary or a real reflection of how much you trust and walk with Jesus Christ. That how you treat one another, how you talk to someone, How we engage in relationships. How you respond when the order that you made didn't turn out the way you wanted it to turn out. How you handle relationships. How you respond to those who are close to you and those who might be distant from you. How we respond to people is a reflection of our relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't think that we need to take time to explain those things. I believe we would understand and agree that how we treat one another is important, but I think what I do need to take time with and is explain where we're coming from. You see, because every one of us have this story in life that is not your story, it's not like my story, it's not like someone else's story, but it's your story. It's, it's where you came from. You see, because we all have this desire to know love, to be loved, and to show love. The problem is our desire and intent is not enough because we have been conditioned by the effects of a broken world. My desire to show love is not enough because I've been conditioned and shown love that has not always been the perfect way of receiving love. Not because there's anything so wrong with my parents other than this. They were born into sin just like I was. The Bible says in in Exodus chapter 20 that God speaking to the Israelites, and here's what he says. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected. Even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. Now notice the rejection is what caused sin to come into the world. Go back to Adam and Eve. They ate of the fruit they were not supposed to eat of. They rejected the provision or they rejected the truth of God and because they rejected God's truth, they perceived or moved upon what was their own perception of truth and they did things their way. How many would agree that sin entered the world because Adam and Eve decided to reject God's way and go about their own way? How many would agree with that this morning? The effects of Adam and Eve's decision has now been passed on. What they did, the effect of rejecting God and taking on their own way, has now caused there to be a condition that has been passed on to the third and the fourth generation. Now, we sometimes would misconstrue this, that what is being passed on is a condition, but not a punishment. You see, because the Bible says as well that in Ezekiel chapter 18, the child will not be punished for the parent's sins, and the parent will not be punished for the child's sin. I'm not punished for my parents' sins, but I am affected by my parents' sins. I'm not punished because of what my parents, my great parents, great grandparents, and before them, I'm not punished for what they've done, but I am affected by the decisions that they've made in life. You see, my ability and my, or my desire to love and to be loved, you know what it's like to have the grander plans and hopes and dreams When you enter into a relationship, and we're not just talking about marriage, but one of the key relationships is what would be marriage. But in any relationship that you have, maybe entering into a work agreement or or into a place of commitment, there's a desire and a plan that this is going to go so well, and you can dream that everything's going to go just right, that everything's going to fall into place, and everything doesn't always go the way we dream or the way that we desire. How we respond to how life happens in our lives will really show whether or not we are healthy. See, our goal here is to be healthy and secure because the opposite of that is insecurity. And I know that I'm not the only one who's been affected in life by insecurities. See, insecurity comes in different forms and different ways. The insecurities may have conditioned you to be an avoider, to be someone who tries to please people, to be someone who tries to set high standards and, and set things in a, in a reach of, uh, of, of just uh, ambiguous and, and, and making it hard to find satisfaction. Might be someone who's controlling. Might be someone who's carrying a, 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 just a, a, a thought and spirit or mind of being a victim. I don't know what yours is, but mine has been conditioned because I realized that I learned from the time I was young how to receive love. And I have a great set of parents. I mean, I would probably go to battle if I had to, but I don't need to. I'd be one of those kids, my dad's better than your dad. My dad can beat up your dad. I mean, my dad's still my hero. I I think my parents are the best parents I could ever have. But I've realized that the home that I've grown up in, even as good as my parents were to me, They were still not perfect, and because they're not perfect, I still was affected by the sins of generations that have conditioned and taught me how to love in a way that is not always healthy. To receive love or desire love. This is my story. My story is that I grew up in a foster home. The difference, though, is that they were my biological parents. I stayed, and everyone else came and left. I remember at the age of seven, distinctly, some new boys coming in. They're from the same family. They all came into our home, the oldest one of which was about four years old. And I remember at the age of seven, these kids coming into my house. My parents had gotten saved when I was two years old. I'd had at least five years of of growing up under the pews and spending all night prayer meetings and encountering the presence of God and knowing that God is real, knowing that God loves me, spending time in family devotions. I had a great home life. But I remember at the age of seven, and this was a memory that I had, but I didn't realize the implications of what that would cause in me. I remember this one kid coming into my house, I'm seven, he's four, and one evening he had just been there for a couple days or maybe a week or so, and I remember being in the living room watching television, and all of a sudden he jumps up and all excited about what's about to come on the TV, and I watch him with excitement, he jumps up, a smile real big on his face, Mind you, tell the story, he's obviously in my home because he's from a broken home and his parents are not able to keep him. I know all this, I get this. But at the age of seven, I watched this kid beaming smile with his cherry or or, strawberry red hair running right past me and going right to my mom, throwing his arms around my mom and saying to her, calling her grandma because mom was 20 some years old, not old enough to be a grandma for sure, At that time, she would only would have been 25 years old. She was nowhere near her grandma. But she didn't want him calling her mom because the plan was for him to be restored back to his family. So she said, you can call me grandma. But I remember being the seven-year-old, watching this kid run right past me and throw his arms around my mom and say, grandma, guess what's coming on? And he's all excited. And I want to be excited too, but you know what? I'm the seven-year-old, conflicted, because I'm watching this kid that just moved into my house throw his arms on my mom and get her attention, and this kid wanted all the attention that mom had. I know at the age of seven, I'm not able to understand everything that's going on, but I have to remind myself, it conditioned me at a young age to have a feeling and a fear that no one ever stopped and talked about. I grew up in a Christian home. We had kids coming in and coming and going. Do you know, no one ever stopped to ask me. I'm not playing victim here. I'm just saying how real it is. No one ever stopped to ask me, hey, Jason, how does it feel having relationships come in? You get to know these kids and they leave. How does that feel to have this go on in your life? No one asked me, hey, Jason, how does it feel to have another kid come in and call your mom mom and build relationship when you grew up in the home and they come in? No one asked me that. I'm not here saying, Whoa, woe is me, heart is me. I'm only pointing out that condition taught me in my mind to look for love in a way of being careful because someone might come and take what's mine. I didn't intend for that. That wasn't my desire. I'm just saying at the age of seven, how does a seven-year-old rationalize and come to grips with this event that just happened? And no one gave room or permission to talk about what's going on. And because no one gave room or permission to talk about what was going on, I was left to define in my own mind how I would respond to what was facing me because no one helped me go through that. I'm not pulling back the covers on that to say someone failed. I'm only saying I'm a product of a broken world that is left to itself to sometimes figure out how to get by. And I need the grace of God to help me because, listen, I carried that into other relationships. I carried that into other places. That's my story. And I grew up in a great home. I would never fault my parents. I would never say they did anything wrong. I'm just telling you, think about this. A seven-year-old was never in a place to be able to process a big event and a thing that was going on in his mind. And so he was left to come up with his own theory and his own way of understanding and his own way of responding. Because of that, because I have a desire to be loved and to show love and to know love, I started conditioning myself to receive love the way I learned it, and I had a healthy example. But there were some things, as healthy as it was, still left me at a place vulnerable to develop insecurities. I'm telling you that not because this is not one of those, things you might be here today, you're like, oh, psycho babble. it's all about going back to you, you know, talk about when you're a kid, and that's dumb, that's for psychologists. Let me just remind you, by the way, psychology, psycho, psychology, in the Greek means soul. How do you think the soul is affected? The mind, how you how you process, how we understand God, how we listen. I know the power of the cross is enough to change me and to make me new. You better believe when I was seven years old, it was that same year. I remember making Jesus the Lord of my life. I bet that had a lot to do with it. Because as a seven-year-old, I remember laying in bed, crying myself to sleep, and asking God to forgive me about how I felt about this kid that just came and wrapped his arms around my mom. I remember that as a kid. I remember crying, my parents never knew I did that. My parents don't know I laid in bed crying and feeling horrible because I didn't like this kid that just showed up in my house and started loving on my mom. Who do you tell that to? What am I going to say to my parents? Mom and dad, we love Jesus and we go to church and everything, but I don't like this kid in my house. <laughs> I mean, I was old enough to know we're, it's rescuing, it's helping. Full disclosure, that four-year-old is now my brother to that man, oh, man. You'd have to tell me he's adopted because he's my flesh and blood. He's my brother. He's, he's who I grew up with. But at the time, I had to process some stuff. You see, all of us have a story of life that has affected us, some tragic, but some just life in general, just life that's happened around us and has conditioned us to fall into a category. Why? Because the sin of the parents is laid upon the third and the fourth and it's passed on. I'm not punished for their sins, but I am affected. The Bible says it affects the entire family. We've all been affected. I know we could spend a lot of time if we were to tell your story. Man, I, I would, I, if I were to hear your story, I'd, I'd probably sit and cry with you. Because of what you've been affected by. Because of what's what's going on in your life or what has happened in your home or what has place. I'm not here to point back to our issues. I'm here to say, listen... It's not that I'm saying we have to go back. It's that we have to acknowledge we've carried stuff with us. Some people are like, oh, leave the past in the past. Well, that's easy said, but you're carrying bags with you that are from there. I agree with you. Don't dig up the past, but the problem is you're carrying stuff you never buried, and it might not be healthy for you to bury it. It needs to be processed, needs to be dealt with. I'm not saying go back and dig up the past. I'm saying deal with the baggage that you brought with you from your past, that there's some things we have to be real about and be able to address because it's affected our ability to love and to receive love because only God is the healer who can help us. I want you to know, I wish I could snap my fingers today and say, we're just going to preach this and we're going to snap our fingers and sing this song. We're all going to walk out of here and feel great about ourselves. The power of the cross works in immediate work. I'm saved the moment Jesus comes into my life. But have you ever noticed, God's issue wasn't so much getting Israel Israel out of Egypt, his issue was more getting Egypt out of Israel. That even when they were set free, they still lived like they weren't. Even though they were delivered, they still had a conditioned mindset. How do you get slaves who have been given a promise, given hope, and you've now been set free, taking gold and silver of the people who held you captive, you're going with the greatest blessing you have. You have everything you need. And while they're in the desert, wish we were back in Egypt. We had it so good back there. Why? Because their mind was conditioned in a certain way. Listen, salvation happens immediately, but changing your mind and renewing your mind, that is a process. One of which I've thought by this time, I'm, I'm 39 years old. God, I'm going to have my life together by the time I'm 39. I'll be married for a number of years. I'll have my marriage all nailed down. I'll have it all perfect. What I've come to realize, and I hope I've got some support here, the more I do life, the more I realize how much I need God to guide my life. The more I realize I don't have this figured out. I don't have all the answers. I don't have it all together. Why? Because I grew up and I'm a part of a world that's broken, but I'm not focusing on my brokenness, but I'm being real to say I am broken and I'm focusing on the one who is able to heal me and able to restore and to make me new. I am being renewed every day in the mind and the likeness of Christ. I'm becoming more and more like Jesus every day. Hey, I'm like Paul, I've not yet arrived, but this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining what is ahead to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And you say, well, you remember you're not supposed to look behind. Problem is, I can't take hold of that because I'm carrying baggage that I've carried with me from behind. And I've got to let go of those things, and I've got to process and allow my mind to be made new. So I want to talk today to those who are prone to avoid. Are there any avoiders? Please avoid raising your hand right now if you are an avoider. This is the only time we'll give you permission to avoid. But I know that there's sometimes, and here's the truth, I can I can speak a little lightly on this because this might be a pattern that you've been conditioned with and you've been taught in life to just avoid conflict and avoid things that maybe need to be spoken or need to be dealt with that you'd rather just... Put your head, head in the sand and hope it goes away and just ignore it long enough and it'll be gone. But we recognize just in that nature the unhealthy approach of developing complete harmony in relationships and growing. I, I want to remind you that this is not a personality trait because there's some who would say, well, that's just the way I was born. Let me tell you, I know this about a God. You might say you were born that way, but he knows how to make you a new creature. Can You can never let your excuse be, I was born like this. I'm telling you. You can't use the excuse, I was born this way. Because the truth is, yes, you were born into brokenness and to sin, but there is a God who has the power and the ability to change the way you are. So this is not a personality thing of saying, well, I've just always ignored and avoided and just that's how I've been done. No, you learned that, and God wants you to learn a new way. You learned that through life. You've learned that. This isn't a personality trait. This is basically, this is an injury, the result of growing up or being born into a world that's broken. How many believe we live in a broken world? How many believe we are affected by the brokenness in our world? But how many believe we've come into contact with one who's able to restore and to make all things new? Absolutely. And I know that we could, we could get in the, the church and say, well, let's just focus on that part the part where we're we're all made new. Oh, I'm with you. The only problem is singing and dancing isn't enough to change your mind. You've got to allow the word of God to grow deep and to get deep in you. I got to be honest. I said to Jody, I do not want to preach this series. I still don't. This is uncomfortable. But I feel in my spirit the holy that God would say, "You know what? I think that's where the church has to allow herself to be real and deal with real issues." Rather than allowing ourselves to just be at a place that if we sing the song loud enough and if we have enough emotions, enough excitement, that we can just keep going about our day and keep doing what we've always done in the process of just handing off the same baggage we've handed off from one generation to the next. I'm saying, in Jesus' name, there's about ready to be a new generation of lamers that have never been. I'm telling you they already are, because my dad got saved when I was two years old, so we're already ahead of the curve. I mean, we are on a good course. But I'm saying, God, help me to find healing so that I can hand off to the next generation. You know why? Because I'm laying it on the next generation and on the next generation and on the next generation. But don't forget the good news as well, that the sins of the fathers are laid from one generation, the third, the fourth. But he also says, but the mercy of God goes to a thousand generations. (laughs) That the blood of Jesus Christ covers it all. That is true. But we're still left to deal with what we've gone through, okay? So take a deep breath, commit to not be offended, and let's go. If you're easily offended, you might want to skip church. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. That's, then you'll offend me. I'm kidding. I'm just, just kidding. Let me, let me just give you a couple of these, these ideas here. If you're prone to avoid... I can speak about this lightly because I'm not an avoider. <laughs> I don't have a problem with avoiding things. That's not my thing. I'm I'm pretty. Those of you that know me closely, it's uh, I, I tend to be one of those. That, man, maybe I told you too much, you know. So, uh, but here's some people who are avoiders that you might be an avoider if, when asked how are you doing, you never break off of the of the the saying of fine or okay. That you're just always across the board fine. Everything's fine. Everything's okay. You might be an avoider if projects and tasks are prioritized over necessary conversations. That you'd rather just keep yourself busy and do something than to have the conversation that needs to be had. You might be an avoider if the expression of sadness makes you uncomfortable. That if anyone's about ready to cry or there's, there's a sadness or, or there's something, you get uncomfortable with that because you don't know how to handle that emotion. You probably don't know how to handle that emotion because your home may have been things like, go to your room and cry. I'll give you something to cry about. We don't cry. You're a boy. Boys don't cry. Grow up. That's not what we do. You may have been taught and conditioned that you don't show weakness. So you're taught to suppress and to allow those things to come in. You might be an avoider if your motto in life is just get over it. Your motto in life is just suck it up, shake it off, move on. There's health to moving on. How many know we need to move on? We talked about that a couple weeks ago, moving on. But there's also the necessity of knowing the comfort and the healing that's there so that we can have help and strength to move on. What good is it to move on if we don't know we've already come in contact with the healer? The reason we have hope to move on is because we met the one who is our healer. And if your only hope is to just move on, hope you'll meet the healer. No, he already came. His name is Jesus Christ. I've met the healer and because he's come, he's brought help, he's brought encouragement, he's brought empathy he's brought compassion to my life that's what gives me hope to move on but to just move on without finding hope means to just be like somewhere somewhere and avoiders are living life with somewhere just reaching going through the fog trying to find something trying to put something in place but instead of really reaching it just having everything in an area of put together and looks good You might be an avoider if eye contact is something you do not like to do or have. You might be an avoider if your view of success and success for your children is to just have self-sufficiency and not have any needs and just live life on your own and be able to do it all by yourself. Even to the point that sometimes I heard one who had said that their story was when they asked their mother, how was I as a child, And the answer was, oh, you're a happy baby. You just love to be alone and keep yourself content. You're a happy baby. You'd love to just be all by yourself and keep yourself content. Maybe it wasn't so much a love to do that as much as it was a condition to really teach ourselves not to depend on other people. Here's why. Because for avoiders, needs represent weakness, and weakness is not permitted. I'm not allowed to have needs. I can't be needy, which we would say amen, because if you are not an avoider, you might be okay with having needs, and you might be on the victim side where you got all kind of needs and you're needy. I'm not talking about being needy. I'm talking about having a healthy understanding of your needs, to have healthy needs, because here's the truth of the matter. We need one another. Do you know that? But sometimes avoiders can convince themselves that the real success for them is to not need anybody. It's hard to have a marriage when the person will never express a need to you. If you don't know what there is, and here's why, we don't have needs. And if we don't have needs, then it almost, not almost, but it is implied then that there's no need for this relationship. That's not really healthy to build a relationship in a I don't need you. I'm glad you're here. I love you. You're here, but I don't need you. There is a health of knowing what my need is of you, being able to express that need. Now listen, balance that. I didn't say be needy. All right, someone might need to write that down. So if you're not an avoider, if you're, if, you're, if you're not an avoider, you're a victim, you're like, I'm writing this down. I need, I need, I need, I need. Or maybe you're the person who's a perfectionist. I need, I'm not giving, we're not giving permission to the people who already have needs. We're giving permission to the people who have not learned how to be, how, how to have needs of people, how to welcome and invite other people to come into their world and to help them with things because their view of success is if I do this on my own, I will be applauded and I wanna be applauded by what I do and what I accomplish. Does this make sense with anybody? All right, just wondering if y'all are ready to throw me out of the church yet. Okay, we're good. We okay? Or should we just pray and go home right now? I don't want to get too uncomfortable. Or... Here's the last thing. Not, not the last thing. You should never say last thing because I got like five more notes here. So Here's the common characteristic of, a, characteristic of an avoider. Self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency. Here's why it's self-sufficiency. Because it might be likely that you've been conditioned, the best way to get attention from the people that you want to show you love is to do something good so that your love is all about receiving applause. You've grown up being in a place where instead of the hugs and affection and the words of affirmation, it was always the you're really good. You're good at that. You do good. So then we would tend to throw ourselves into things like sports, school, and activities, all the things that would cause the attention for our approval to rise. It's not anything wrong with throwing yourself into your activities and doing well. The unhealthy thing, though, is when you would rather just be active and receive approval from doing good things than to really build relationship and let intimacy and, and needy or, or, or healthy bit of need to develop a relationship of balancing each other, it becomes performance-based rather than really intimate-based. I don't know if you're looking at me like, just shut up right now and quit this, or if you're like, that don't make sense, or if we just landed on someone's front door. Okay. I brought a special package. It's a good package. It's, it's, I'm just going to leave it on the door for you. And it's this, that God wants you to open the door and get a handle on things that so you can experience even more and the greater things that God has for you in relationships, that you would know healing, that you would know in this life the hope and the healing that is in Christ, that we can sometimes be in a place of avoiding, that we are uh, easy to try and look for affirmation in what we do, And that's an avoider. I didn't grow up an avoider. My parents, I I knew they loved me because I grew up in an affectionate home. I thank God for that. I didn't grow up in a perfect home. But avoiding wasn't something for me because I, I remember sitting on my parents' lap when I was a little kid. I got pictures of it. I got pictures of Dad kissing me underneath the cheek and me trying to get away from him. Not because I didn't like it, but because I was eating it all up. I love that attention. I've got pictures of that. I'm not an avoider. I'm the guy that <laughs> Jody said to me, "You know, Jason, you walk through Walmart, and if you see someone you know, you hug them." <laughs> like, I just—that's what I. That's how I grew up. I'm like, "Hey, we just let me hug you." And I know there have been times like, oh, "Okay," <laughs> but sometimes that position and and being in a place of of not allowing yourself to invite people to come in. Invite people to come in. You've been taught that that's not a safe thing to do or it's not a a wise thing to do or it's a weak thing to do. Self-sufficiency can seem strong and admirable when it comes to hiding your pain, but if we become so self-sufficient, it will choke the life out of relationships that God brought to be a blessing to you if we don't allow those things to come in. Now, I know I'm not talking to everybody today when it comes to avoiding. We're not all avoiders, but I believe there might be some of this in, in us, but then there might be some where you're like 100%, that's you. It doesn't matter where you are in the spectrum. I wanna give you some things this morning as we wrap this up of, of allowing and giving permission. The expectations of an avoider when it comes to feelings is that they would rather ignore the feelings and suppress the feelings because feelings, if they feel too much, it will reveal needs. And so because they don't wanna be needy, because that's a sign of weakness, the way you don't have any needs is don't have any feelings because you can't need what you don't feel. You don't need what you can't feel. The only way I know I needed Jesus is because the law made me feel the pain of being lost without Jesus. The law confronted me and made me feel guilt, made me feel conviction, conviction. But how many know an unhealthy feeling of conviction is a healthy thing or gave way to a healthy process in my life? Because I felt the pain of conviction, it allowed me to receive the hope of knowing Jesus Christ. In any relationship that's going to grow, there has to be this willingness to allow feelings to be felt. Because if we don't feel the need, we don't, if we don't have feelings, we don't have needs. And if we don't have needs, we can t- take care of this all by ourselves. And in fact, avoiders can seem like the best people to come and serve because all they do is they serve, they serve, they serve, they serve. They do, they do, they do because they just want to know that we approve of them because they do good things. And all the while it's like, this is good, that's great, that's good, but what about who you are? How about connecting in a place of being open and allowing communication, allowing a sense of it's getting real? There was a conversation in our home, Some time ago and and we were sitting down to a family activity And it was one of those moments that it got uncomfortable Because someone in the home Commented on something that was bothering them I could have been dad at the moment and said That's my rules I make the rules But I thank God that he gave Jody and I wisdom To sit around the table and say Why do you feel that way? You know what ended up? All five of us sitting around the table wiping our tears and saying, oh, hey, never knew that. Now, if you think, oh, my goodness, he's in a broken home. What is wrong in that house? No, I thank God that Jody and I had a wisdom to say, you know what, hey, we need to talk about this. I could easily say, I could easily say, come on, you're a kid, just get over that stuff. Well, sometimes in life, that's what happens. I could have just landed it at the whole thing of, well, that's just how it goes, it won't feel that way when you get older. Things will be different. You'll have it better. It'll be, you know, but right now this, no. We sat around saying, why does that affect you? Because I could have just looked at it and said, well, you're just being a rebel. You're just being a problem. You just, you just want a pity party right now. No, we didn't go there. We said, I didn't know that. Why do you feel that way? To which opened my eyes to say, wow. And I had to say, I'm not changing the decision I made but you made me aware of something that I didn't see before. And because I recognize that, I'm going to adjust. And you know what that did? That said, hey, you don't need to change this. I know that I got heard. I know my dad heard me. I know my mom hears me. I know they care about me. I know this was able to be addressed in a healthy way. And because that came around, I thank God for the grace for us to be able to sit around the table and at moments say, this is going to get uncomfortable right now. But to be able to be at a place to say, hey, Now, that's only ever happened once in my 18 years of being a dad. But it makes me say, could there have been more moments? I don't know because I don't think it's healthy to do that all the time. I mean, if all we're doing is sitting around the table crying because we've got issues, I'm not saying all the time. I'm saying at moments where we can just allow ourselves to be real. Hey, what's going on? I want to address what's going on with you. How is this feeling? And an avoider can be like, nah. Nah. You'll get out of it. It'll all be better. You'll get over it. It'll be fine. I want to give you some things. The worship team's going to come, and they're going to do what they do, just keep playing behind me and trying to get me to be quiet, but I just keep talking, so they're going to come and, and do that. I want to give you some things of, of action points. How, if you're an avoider, how can you, how can you move out? Here's, here's one of the things that are necessary. If we're going to have deepening relationships, how many want your relationships with God and with others, to go to a deeper place. All right. You all are avoiders. You avoided raising your hands, so that's, a, that's all right. Well, <laughs> Can I tell you what needs to happen? Go to the story. I think it's Luke chapter 10, the uh, Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan is called the Good Samaritan because when two other people walked on the other side of the road or walked over, the good Samaritan went right to the point of need. And here's what the Bible says, that he saw the man laying on the side of the road. And when he saw the man, what did he do? He had compassion on him. You see what that did, it caused an emotion. It caused a feeling. Because he had compassion. Now, I don't believe we have any hyper-avoiders here, but hyper-avoiders like, oh, just ignore that. I don't want to see that. Don't want to be bothered with that. I don't want to have to deal with that because I can't fix it. Avoiders only want to handle things they feel they can fix, and if they can't fix it, they're done. I don't want to deal with it, I'm done. Because my job is to fix it, and if I can't fix it, then I'm done. I don't want to dig deep, I don't want to deal with issues, I don't want to talk about stuff, I don't want to work through, I'm done. But how many know, there have probably been too many relationships that were done before they were really finished. Some places of points of saying, I just don't want to deal with that. I don't want to address that. I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to deal with that. But here's the good Samaritan comes along and has this emotion. Here's what I want to say. If we don't know how to have compassion to feel emotion, we will only set ourselves up for hurt. Here's why. Because if you try to love people without understanding where they're coming from, you will only set yourself up for being offended. When you love by responding but not knowing where they're coming from, you're setting yourself up for offense. I'm loving you, I'm doing this for you. This is for you. This is for you. This is for you. I'm doing everything I can for you. And when they don't respond to what you're doing for them, you become offended that they've not responded to what you're doing for them, and all the while, it's not that they have a problem with what you're doing for them. It's that you haven't taken time to understand what's going on inside of them. Does that make sense? And so you can be offended because you haven't had compassion. But here's the difference the proper response is to first have compassion to feel and then respond. But if you just respond, then you're setting yourself up to feel offended. Well, I did that for you. Here's how it might sound in a marriage I do the dishes for her and she's still not happy. It's not about the dishes. It's about you understanding where she's coming from, what's going on in her world, what's happening. Have you taken time to hear what's going on? Because avoiders, all of us need to do this no matter where your injury is in life, growing up in a broken home or a broken world. I don't mean broken home in general, but I mean we live in a broken place. But being able to have compassion, because what compassion says is, I understand, and I understand this, I can't fix you but I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to be with you because I can't fix you because we're broken, but only Jesus can. And that's hard for an avoider because an avoider wants to be like, no, nope, I'll fix it today. I've ordered it. It'll be here by Monday. We're good. Everything's fine. Take care of this. Some things you can't take care of. Some things you just have to let your heart feel the hurt and the pain. Some things you have to say, yeah, dealing with this. That's why you can't go alone. But avoiders try to be self-sufficient. I don't need anybody. Can you just find someone around you and just look them, I mean, if you got to look down your nose in love, but just tell them you need someone. Tell them you need someone. Now, if you, a single guy, look for the prettiest girl to try and see who's sitting by themselves, I mean, Don't you dare. I'm not saying church isn't a good place to find a spouse. It's a great place to find a spouse. But you better take care of what you need to get a handle on before you start trying to open up the car door for her. You better know what handle you're opening up before you're ready for those decisions. Let me. can I give you some action steps? I want to give you something to work on. For all the avoiders in the room who will avoid raising their hand right now because I don't want you to. Here's some action steps. Number one, be vulnerable. Be vulnerable to your feelings and the feelings of others around you. Here's what it means. Let yourself feel it. Let yourself feel the pain. Be vulnerable to it. The Bible says this, that Jesus did not come for the healthy because the healthy don't need a doctor, the sick people do. And so let yourself be vulnerable. Admit your needs. Admit where you need something. Number two, be expressive. Evaluate or express the emotions that you have in a day. If you're the avoider who is prone to say when it's asked, how are you doing? Fine. I'm going to stretch you a little bit. And you might be saying, well, that's just my personality. Okay. I don't expect you to pour out everything in the line at Target to tell somebody all about what's going on. But if it's your spouse, fine isn't enough. Need to know what's going on if it's your family members, if it's those that even you're in working relationship at some point, you've got to be willing and able to be expressive. So I'm gonna encourage you rather than saying I'm fine, be able to say something that is going on and connect deeper. Here's why: because there have been moments that I felt more connected to my wife because we've sat down and talked about something. We felt more connection in the moment that we're talking, we're having interaction, we're having communication. When did your parents ever sit you down and tell you how to have good conversation with your wife? And my parents were good at it, but they never told me how to do that. I never learned that. But we're missing the opportunity, the potential that happens out of having good communication. Plug for the February 24th, 25th, the first night, Friday night, after dinner, we'll be talking about conversation, how to have conversations. Just plug in that, sign up, come be a part of that. We've got to be expressive. You, you got to be able to express the things that are going on in your life. Be expressive. Here's number three. Be resolute. Find a solution and don't just hope it'll go away. The solution is not forget about it and ignore it. It'll go away. The solution is, God, help me take the opportunity to work this through and to allow you to do what you want to do in this moment. Be resolute. Let me give you the last one be prayerful be prayerful make it a point to pray and ask God for help ask God to help you to find the healing that's needed let me tell you why pray prayer is a point of recognizing our need have you ever noticed that when you pray God tends to put a finger on something you need to work on how many have ever had god put something a finger on something you i'm not making this a blanket statement but i'm i'm asking this for evaluation could there be a connection that sometimes if we're prone to avoid we're also prone to have an underdeveloped prayer life i didn't say a non-existing prayer life an underdeveloped prayer life and what an un, what a developed prayer life looks like is that i spend time with god i share to god but I also hear from God and I respond to what God is saying. That's a developed prayer life, okay? Because if we think, here's an undeveloped prayer life is, oh yeah, I talk to God and I think about God and I tell God everything I need. Oh, so you went to the grocery store. That's an undeveloped prayer life. God, here's what would be good for you to do this week. Amen, God bless you, here we go. No, prayer is waiting in the presence of God, hearing God and allowing God to put his fingers on some things that might be like, ooh, wow. Be prayerful. Here's what the Bible says that we are not to worry about anything, but that we should pray about everything and make your needs known to God. Here's the problem with that though avoiders don't like to be needy. Can I just say to you today, be needy? Because the tension or the hope is that we can just exist how we've always existed and ignore that we're really broken. And if I just keep doing tasks and te- keep doing things, keep filling it up, keep going, I never really know that I'm broken. Until I come to the place and I recognize, no, I really am broken. I really am just broken. I really am just at a place where I have nothing in myself. I can't just keep patching it. I can't just keep trying to make it work. Now, listen, listen. The reason I say that's important is because you don't know how good of a savior he is until you know. That's why he said those who have been forgiven much those who are being forgiven much, those who know what God, I was so broken and you found me. I was so empty and you filled me. I was so lost and you restored me. I'm so nothing, but you've made me everything to you. I could have been left on the pile and nothing. I've been broken. I've been hurt by other people. I've been trampled by other people. I've been bypassed by other people. You could have abandoned me, but you picked me up and you brushed me off. You restored me me and you set my feet upon solid ground the only reason I look to how broken I am is because it tells me how much I need Jesus now listen some of us don't need to hear this because you're already too hard on yourself so you got to know the balance here we're going to talk about that next week some of you don't need to feel broken all over again because you're, you're so connected to your brokenness. You need to let Jesus heal you. But there's some who are avoiders who have just been, nah, I'd just rather, nah, cover that up. Nope. Nah. And the more you cover it up and the more you fix it, how I many know the more you get good at just being your own God? You get good at just not needing Him. I know that's a stretch and we would never say that, but I'm just asking us to evaluate and say, God, Help us to lean upon your grace and your mercy. I want you to know there's healing today. We didn't take this journey to leave us in a barren wilderness. We're taking this journey to say, God, thank you that you cause springs to come in the desert places. Thank you that you cause the desert to come to life again. That he's a God who will restore, a God who heals. And I believe what we're going to do over these next weeks is we're going to allow God to bring healing to the places that we may not have even realized or said or allowed God to work in our